Truth. I'm your host, the one you love the most, Niall Hessen, back once again with another episode of Waking Up With The Truth today for August 6, 2022. If you guys are new to the series, let me give you a brief rundown on how this series works, and then we'll get on our merry way and continue on with the show. Pretty much, Waking Up With The Truth is a daily podcast series I created where I give you guys all the things you need to know for the sports day ahead and going over some of the biggest news and stories as well as scores from the previous day. Let's hop into it. Going off into the NBA, we're going to start off there. Um, Nothing too much coming out of the NBA. Um, Even Shumpert, former NBA player, was arrested at Dallas Airport for um, cannabis, you know, going through security. You know, cannabis has apparently been in the topic of discussion with arrests, and especially the basketball world. Obviously, Iman Shumpert and then also Brittany Griner, as we know, in Russia. Nothing too major. Um, just a little storyline that I wanted to briefly talk about and touch base with. Um, just because if he was trying to make a comeback, um, that might definitely hurt that. Uh, if he is, you know, testing, um, not necessarily testing positive, like it's a coronavirus, but, um, you know, gets charged with that and then obviously convicted. The union um, in the NFL files a brief reply to the NFL's appeal in the Watson case. If you guys um, are new and don't remember that Deshaun Watson, you know, being suspended, um, the NFL did appeal it. um, And then, you know, the NFLPA kind of made a response to the appeal from the NFL, um, basically in support of Watson, as you guys would expect. Um, That process is definitely going to be taking up a period of time. I mean, it's going to be a little bit before we are able to decide or figure out rather um, what Deshaun Watson's suspension will be. But this is something that you expected. You know, the NFL Players Association has said that they're going to support Watson in the suspension that was provided. You know, they obviously don't want him to um, be out for a year. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, nothing too spectacular there. Josh McDaniels um, downplays Josh Jacobs' surprising Hall of Fame game appearance. You know, Jacobs got some preseason reps yesterday, and that raised a lot of eyebrows because typically you don't see a running back. Um, getting those first reps in the preseason games, you usually see them wait till um, the NFL, especially with um, Jacobs and his injury concerns. But, you know, basically McDaniel said this was to get Josh Jacobs reps and uh, kind of get familiar um, with the offense. He does this with other, you know, running backs and players as well um, with the offense coordinator for the Patriots. So it shouldn't be too big of a surprise. Really, I think the only reason why this is being talked about is because it's the only game of football and everybody was zoned in on it. But really, it's not that big of a deal, in my opinion. I still think he's going to be that lead back there in Las Vegas. The Cardinals running back coach is facing domestic battery charges. That means he is currently on leave. Um, This was one of the reasons why the Cardinals were kind of not in and out of news recently other than Kyler Murray's um, video game habit and film session debacle. Um, This is nothing too different um, from other kind of domestic violence abuse policies in the NFL. A coach isn't going to be treated differently than a player. So we'll see what happens with that. Uh, But he is currently on leave for that just to see, um, you know, what in all honesty is going to transpire out of that. But very curious to see what's going to happen, if anything major is going to happen, if it's going to, you know, hurt morale or anything like that for the Cardinals. But that's something to keep an eye on. Let's switch gears to the MLB. Fernando Tatis to begin his rehab assignment this week. As you guys know, Tatis has missed the entire year this year. Um, he is one step closer to returning finally. You know, honestly, he hasn't been in the game for so long. It's not like um, you forget about him, but you forget about how good of a player he is, especially if you add him to that lineup. Just getting Soto back in the lineup that they already have, the Padres are going to look really good. Now, obviously, the goal is to get Tatis back as soon as possible, but if you're a Padres fan and in the Padres front office, do not rush Fernando Tatis. You guys are fine right now. Obviously, you're going to be battling for a playoff spot. 
Um, most likely a wild card spot because you're 12 and a half games behind um, the Dodgers. But still, you're going to be making the wild card at least. Get Tatis healthy for playoffs. It would be great if you can get him some regular season games to get that rep since so he doesn't just jump into the playoffs. But do not rush him because that's the last thing you want to do is rush him. And then he's not able to help out your team anymore. And, um, you know, he's going to be injured again, which is definitely something you do not want to do. So that's the biggest um, area there. The Dodgers place Clayton Kershaw on the IL with back pain. This is really sad to see. Kershaw struggled a lot recently with um, IL stints due to his back and other, you know, issues of his body. Having a really good year for the Dodgers thus far. He's really done well um, compared to his, you know, where he's at in his career with his age and all that stuff. He was the all-star game starter um, this season. He has a 7-3 record, a 2.64 ERA with 88 strikeouts and 85 innings. And honestly, you know, it's really sucks to see. The Dodgers are doing fine pitching-wise, so obviously they can fill in the holes and, and help with times do but always when you're put in the aisle it's a tricky situation especially with a pitcher especially with back issues me personally i'm a pitcher i've held back issues as well obviously not as successful anywhere near to clayton kershaw's stature and obviously not in the mlb but still i know what it's like with a back injury and being a pitcher and trying to get back into the swing of things as well as help your team win it's just really hard to get back from those injuries and kershaw struggled with that so hopefully he's able to uh, come back off that and things move forward in the right direction Pretty much almost to the point of getting and receiving the trade for Danielson Lamette. The Brewers have already put him up for waivers, and he's been picked up by the Colorado Rockies. Excuse me. This was a little bit surprising, saying that the Brewers were trying to, you know, get something back in the hater deal. They got him back and then also um, Taylor Rogers. But already getting rid of Danielson Lamette is not a good start for them. Um, you know, obviously this was kind of a little bit of a, a flurry move. He didn't even throw a pitch for the Brewers, which is kind of interesting to think of why would you trade for Danielson Lament and then get rid of him instantly. It's, it's one of those weird situations, especially with the MLB not being salary cap. Like you basically, you'll see in the NFL, you'll do a trade to free up cap or whatever, and then you'll drop the player because you don't want the cap and pay for the money, all that stuff. But it was just kind of weird to see um, what happened with that and, and why that was, that was occurring. But We'll see what happens. You know, the Rockies do pick him up, which is good. He gets to stay back in the NL West where he's been playing. Um, and then I don't know how they're going to use him. I'm assuming as a reliever because he was a starter, converted to the reliever for the Padres. Honestly, he could fit either role. The, the Rockies pitching isn't really great, and it's hard to pitch at Coors Field. So we'll see what happens there. But still, at least he's got a home, um, and it's in Colorado. And then the final kind of note here, um, Miggy confirms that he's going to be playing next year. There was some uncertainty. He had said something. And basically, people took it haywire that he was retiring or quitting instantly, which is not the case. Miguel Cabrera says he'll be back, um, you know, obviously, you know, unless, God forbid, an injury happens or something serious happens. It looks like he'll be playing next year for the Tigers, which is great to see. And it's great to see those players, um, you know, like you look at the Miguel Cabrera's, the Albert Pujols, um, you know, now with Universal DH, you see more of those older guys, veteran leadership, veteran players that are continuously going to be playing, which is huge because, um, they have the ability to. They don't have to go play the field. They can just hit and, and do what exactly what Albert Pujols is doing. So it's nice to see that legends are able to stay in the game and um, have fun with that. Let's go ahead and take a look at some scores here um, today from the previous day. I'm recording this podcast a little bit early, so there is one game still in progress right now, and it's the Angels versus Mariners in the top of the 10th inning. But we'll get to that in a minute. The Cubs start off the day with a win against the Marlins. A come-from-behind win in the bottom of the eighth. They score two runs. Dylan Floral um, had the one-inning one pitch with the two earned runs. 
for the Marlins. So the disappointing loss for the Marlins, a good one there by the Cubs. Contreras had that two RBI single um, that ended up being the difference maker. The Orioles beat the Pirates in a pitching duel 1-0. Uh, Dean Kramer, six and a third, zero and run. Keller had a good game, though. Six innings pitch, one and run. Unfortunately, gets the loss because the Pirates' bats weren't able to help him out. They did have six hits, though, uh, but were not able to scratch a run across. The Phillies went at home against the Nationals 7-2. Kyle Gibson, eight strong innings with one earned run. Josiah Gray struggled four innings pitch, six earned runs. On the flip side for um, batting, I should say, not necessarily the flip side, Real Muto and Castellanos had two RBIs apiece. The Astros beat the Guardians 9-3 on the road. Framel Valdez gets the come-from-behind win. I guess I shouldn't necessarily – well, it was technically a come-from-behind win. They were down 1-0 after the first inning, but they scored five in the third inning. Um, and we're able to get the win there. Looking um, at some of the hitting stats here, Mancini, man, he had a really good game. He had two home runs, two for five, and five RBIs, making a difference on his new team. Good for him and good for the Astros. The Braves went on the road against the Mets, um, 9-6. to six. Tyjon Walker had a really disappointing outing. He had one inning pitch and eight earned runs on the day. That's not going to do a, uh, you know, do you a lot of success. Interestingly enough, the Braves did score their first eight runs um, in the first two innings. The Mets did come kind of come back a little bit in the fifth, um, getting five runs. But overall, a good win for the Braves. They had lost the last game, so getting that win back is definitely huge. Rosario had a good game for them, one home run and four RBIs. Moving on to the Rays on the road, beating the Tigers 5-3. to three. Um, Overall, decently good for both sides. You know, the Tigers do lose the one at home. Brandon Lowe went two for four and three RBIs. On the flip side, um, Riley Green, two RBIs for the Tigers. The White Sox beat the Rangers two to one. Dylan Cease continues to dominate. Six innings pitched, one earned run, five strikeouts. Glenn Otto gets the loss. Six innings pitched, two earned runs. I believe Glenn Otto has not won a game since June 4th. So tough stretch there for him. My boy Liam, Liam Hendricks does get the save in this one. Um, Eloy Jimenez had a solo home run, and then Zavala also had an RBI. Looking at the Brewers beating the Reds at home 5-1. Lawler, seven innings strong, one earned run. Robert Duggar, four innings pitch, five earned runs. And then Devin Williams with the save in point two innings pitch. Good uh, good pitching for the Brewers there. We're able to um, obviously keep the runs at a minimum. Uh, Taylor, Tyrone Taylor, three RBI day for him. Rowdy Telez had a pair of RBIs as well. The Red Sox beat the Royals on the road 7-4. Josh Winkowski gets the win, five innings pitch, one earned run. Zach Greinke gets the loss, four and two-thirds, and four earned runs. Greinke has really struggled this year. Obviously, Greinke's getting up there in age. Three and six record, four and four, uh, four 4.41 rather, ERA. Really hasn't been the dominant pitcher. I'm not necessarily saying that the Royals were expecting him to be dominant, but he's definitely struggled as... He wasn't probably expecting to as bad. The Cardinals take the first one against the Yankees at home. Clay Holmes ends up getting the loss here in this one due to the Cardinals getting two runs in the bottom of the eighth inning. A good game, honestly, for both sides. Definitely for the Cardinals. It's a huge win there for them. Paul DeYoung, two RBIs, one for three on the day. They get the win um, against the Yankees in the first game. The Diamondbacks beat the Rockies at home 6-5 to five, thanks to a late rally in the seventh and eighth innings. For the Diamondbacks getting two runs apiece. Looking at some of their hitting stats, Perdomo had two RBIs. Josh Rojas also had two RBIs. And um, what's his name? Montero. Eli, Eli Jerez Montero. 
uh, two for four with two RBIs. The final game um, that is currently completed is the Dodgers winning against the Padres at home 8-1. to one. Gonsolin final had, finally had a good start. Um, he went five strong, zero earned runs. Shamanaya struggled, four innings pitched, 10 hits, eight earned runs. He did only have one walk, though, which is interesting to see, um, you know, having that sort of stats. Alberto and Thaler and Bellinger, rather, both with two, all three with two RBIs. The Dodgers win a good one against the Padres. And then let me just talk about this game real quick. Um, the Angels beating the Mariners right now, 4-3 to three in the bottom of the 10th. Runner on second, nobody out. That is currently the time of day I'm recording this podcast. I do also want to point out before I go into the scores and predictions for the next day, the reason why I sometimes record these podcasts earlier is because I like to get these out literally as early in the morning as possible because I'm on the West Coast. People on the East Coast that want to listen to it, you know, let's say they wake up at 6 a.m., they want to watch it before they go to work or eat, drink their cup of coffee, whatever. That's 3 a.m. for me. There is no way in hell I'm waking up at 3 a.m. I am so sorry, but I'm not doing it. So currently I'm recording this at 1045. Most of the time it's about midnight is when I record them because I then I instantly publish them. Just want to get that note out there. That's the whole point of waking up with the truth. Anyways, moving on to uh, my predictions for the next day on Saturday, October 6th. The Braves take on the Mets um, at 10, 10 a.m. Jake Odorizzi making his Braves debut, taking on Doug, Doug Peterson, David Peterson, rather. I'm going to go with Odorizzi and the Braves in this one, um, winning this game. You know, I really like, you know, the Braves coming back and getting a nice win against the Mets. It's a doubleheader, so hopefully they're able to take two out of three. Um, or I should say two out of two in the doubleheader and two out of three in the series. Sorry. Yeah, it'd be two out of three in the series. Yeah. Wait. I'm completely tripping. Maybe they're playing a five-game series. Let, let, me, let, me, let me refresh real quick. Five-game series. That makes way much more sense. Take three out of four in the series, and then hopefully win the rubber match and take four out of five. That makes complete sense. Now that I'm reading that completely, I was like, how is that possible? But anyways, brain fart there. The Marlins travel to Chicago to take on the Cubs again. Pablo Lopez on the mound versus Drew Smiley. I like the Marlins in this one. The Marlins are a little bit of a better team, and Pablo Lopez has had a really good year on the bump for the Marlins, been one of their only bright spots. So I'm expecting them to win after a tough loss yesterday. you got to see them have that motivation to uh, to beat the Cubs. The Angels taking on the Mariners. The only starter for the Mariners is George Kirby, 2-3 and three record, 73-3 and a third, and 3.56 ERA. I'm going to go with the Angels in this one. The Angels, obviously, disappointing year. They've lost the last two, pending the game currently going on right now. Starting um, with a doubleheader tomorrow, I think they're going to go jump up top and uh, beat the Mariners there. The Pirates take on the Orioles again. We got JT Brewbreaker, who's 2-9, and 104-3rd and 4.40 ERA, taking on Austin Voth, who's got a 5.54 ERA in the battle of the Cy Young pitchers. I'm going to go with the uh, Orioles and Austin Voth. I'm not necessarily saying Austin Voth's going to have a good game. I think the Orioles are just a way better team than people give them credit for. They're four games above 500, which probably hasn't been said in about 100 years. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10, and they're on a four-game winning streak. Granted, it's only the Rangers and the Pirates, but still, any team in Major League Baseball can beat any team in Major League Baseball on any given day. I expect that trying to continue, and uh, the Orioles win this one. The Nationals take on the Phillies. Patrick Corbin just looking for a win. He's 4-15, 109 innings pitched, and a 6.57 ERA. Taking on Ranger Suarez, 7-5 record, 95 innings pitched, and a 3.60 ERA. I'm going to go with the Nationals and Patrick Corbin in this one. Taking a look at some of his numbers here, I'm going to go over Patrick Corbin's last five starts. Four and a third, four earned runs. 0.2 innings, six earned runs. 
five innings, five earned runs, five innings, five earned runs, and six innings, four earned runs. It is about time that Patrick Corbin has a good start, especially with the contract that they signed him for a while ago. He really hasn't delivered. Now, granted, he's on the Nationals, so he doesn't get much run support or any support other than you know himself. But still, you have to be able to pitch, especially with the contract that you have. And I do think today he's going to get it done for the Nationals, who is on a three-game losing streak and 3-7 and seven in their last 10. The Rays take on the Tigers once again. My boy Shane McClanahan on the bump taking on Garrett Hill. 10-4 record, 122 innings pitch. He had a below 2 ERA, uh, but with his last start, it's bumped up to 207. Still, I'm liking the Rays and the Tigers heavily in this one. I expect Shane McCallahan to go at least 7 strong, give up 0 or 1 earned runs. Very uncharacteristic of him in his last start to only go 4 and a third and 5 innings pitch. He pitched 7 innings in the start before that. I'm really liking him in this one. He's got a better matchup, obviously, with a little bit worse team and also worse lineup especially being a left-handed pitcher. The Tigers have struggled against left-handed pitching all year, so I'm expecting McCallahan to have a good deep start in that one. The Astros taking on the Guardians again. Luis Garcia, the most annoying wind-up in baseball. 8-7 and seven record, 106.1 innings pitched, 3.81 ERA, taking on Cal Cantwell. 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 Why Cantwell? Quantrill, 7-5 record, 117 innings pitched, and a 4.08 ERA. I'm going to go with the Guardians in this one. They have their loss their last two, including against the Astros just recently. But still, I like the Guardians here. Um, the Guardians do tend to play better at home, even though they've lost the last two uh, to the Astros. I think it's about time um, they get a win in this series. I don't expect the Astros to sweep. So I like the Guardians winning this one here on a Saturday game um, in progressive field. The White Sox taking on the Rangers. Michael Kopech on the bump for the White Sox taking on Dane Dunning. Kopech, a 3.12 ERA. Dane Dunning, 4.30. I'm going to go with the White Sox in this one. They are on a one-game winning streak against the Rangers. The Rangers are on a one-game losing streak. Kind of funny how that one works uh, between the teams. Obviously have splits so far in this series, um, so be curious to see um, what happens in this one. I do like the White Sox, though, just because the White Sox are a better team. And also with Kopech on the mound, he's had some struggles up and downs this year. Um, and he has had some more downs than ups recently, so I like Kopech and the White Sox winning that one. The Toronto Blue Jays take on my Minnesota Twins. Mitch White making his, uh, I was just about to say Dodger debut, his Blue Jay debut, a 1-2 record, a 3.70 ERA, taking on Dylan Bundy, 6-5 record, a 5 ERA. That's kind of gross. I'm going to go with the Blue Jays in this one as much as I'd love to see the Twins win. Um, I just don't like Dylan Bundy pitching, um, A, and B, he's never really pitched well at home. Mitch White, you know, first start with a new team, a younger player in the MLB. He's going to have, you know, that kind of adrenaline, kind of almost like first career start because it's a new team, fresh start. I like Mitch White having a really good outing against my Twinkies and uh, overall getting the win. The Giants take on the Athletics, Carlos Rodon versus Adam Oler. I'm going to go with Rodon and the Giants, um, obviously in this little interstate battle um, between the Athletics. Um, obviously, hopefully, hopefully getting a win for them. The Athletics suck. We all know that, and um, we'll see what happens there. But Rodon, 9-6 record, 3 innings pit. Sorry, a 3-run average. Adam Olaire, 1-4, ERA. I like the Giants winning this one. The second game of the doubleheader between the Braves and the Mets, Max Fried versus Max Scherzer. Once again, Max Scherzer had the benefit of the doubt against Max Fried in the first battle of the Maxes. Look at these numbers. Max Fried, 10-3, 132 and a third, 2.58 ERA, taking on Mad Max, 7-2 record, 88.2 innings pitch, 
and a 2.13 ERA. This is going to be a fun one. It's going to be a night one in New York. I'm going to go with Max Fried winning this one. I think the Braves take the first, well, I guess the only two games of the day. I'm going to take three out of the first four against the Mets. You know, Max Fried obviously struggled in the last start against Max Scherzer in the Mets. I think this is about time now that we're in New York. Um, Max Fried's going to get it done and have success there. It's going to be a good one, though. This one, um, the over-under set at 6.5. I'd bet over just because it's really low. It's it's Major League Baseball. Even if both starters have good quality starts, you still got to get into their bullpens, and that can always be dicey. But I do like Max, Max Fried winning the one against the Battle of the Maxes. The Red Sox taking on the Royals. Nathan Ivaldi on the mound versus Dylan Lynch. The Red Sox with another win against the Royals. I shouldn't say another win because they lost the first one in the series. They do get a win, though, against the Royals and Zach Greinke, looking to continue their magic here. Ivaldi on the bump for the Red Sox has had an up-and-down year, currently at a four-year, right? He did have six strong innings with zero in runs in his last start against Houston, thinking he's going to carry that on, on here and uh, beat the Royals um, on the road. The Reds taking on the Brewers. Aaron Ashby on the mound for the Brewers. He just got an extension, a five-year extension for the Brewers. See if he's going to put it to good loose. I don't think he will, though, in this one. He does have a 2-9 record. Um, compared to Nick Lodo's 3-3, three and three. I'm going to go with the Reds winning this one. The Reds have just lost their last two. Um, obviously, the first one to the Brewers looking for another win here in an NL Central matchup. I'm going to go with the Reds. I, I do think the Reds are going to pull the upset here. Um, I just think Ashby's going to struggle once again. The Reds' bats typically do well against Brewers pitching. Um, it's been one known fact throughout the, their career, uh, franchise, it's franchise, I should say. But I do like the Reds kind of with an upset here. The Yankees on the road against the Cardinals. Domingo Herman versus Jordan Montgomery, who's playing his old team in his first start away from New York. Not necessarily away from New York because he's running into them once again. I'm going to go with the Yankees in this one. The Yankees are, again, struggling in their standards. Um, four and six in their last ten on a three-game losing streak. But, hey, look at their record. They're 70 and 37, so they're doing just fine. Domingo Herman finally had a decently good start. Um, five innings, two earned runs for him. I like Domingo Herman, and I like the Yankees' bats finally waking up um, and, and doing some noise. So I, I like that there. The Rockies take on the Diamondbacks. Antonio Sensantella versus Merrill Kelly. I'm going to go with Merrill Kelly and the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks won the last one against the Rockies. I think they're going to do the same here today. Merrill Kelly's actually had a really good year. Um, and, you know, honestly, with the amount of work that it takes to, you know, kind of have success against Merrill Kelly, it's going to be too much for the Rockies to handle. So I like the Diamondbacks winning that one. The Dodgers and the Padres meet once again. Clevenger versus Heaney. My boy Heaney is going to be um, on the mound for the Dodgers taking on Clevenger. Heaney has a .770 ERA. Now, granted, he's only thrown 23 and a third in his pitch. Mike Clevenger compared to his 60 innings and 3.13 ERA. I like the Dodgers winning this one. Um, the Dodgers are on a six-game winning streak. They're 9-1 and their last 10. When a team's hot in baseball, they're hot, and the Dodgers are hot. I like them beating the Padres here and Heaney having a good start. And finally, the Angels taking on the Mariners. Reed Detmers, the no-hit man, taking on Chris Flexen. Detmers, 3.62 ERA. Chris Flexen, 3.73 ERA. I'm going to go with the Mariners in this one. Um, Reed Detmers has always struggled at home against the Mariners. I'm sorry, on the road against the Mariners in particular. And then Flexen's obviously had more success at home um, and at T-Mobile Park. Anyways, guys, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Waking Up With The Truth for August 6, 2022. If you guys would like to follow the Twitter, Twitter, please do so at the Truth as one to stay up to date with the latest information regarding the truth, including podcast dates, podcast uploads, and other important information and value I know you do not want to miss because I don't want to miss it either. Until next time, I am signing out. Peace. Take care. Also, quick note, 
Um, me and Ben have kind of put out a schedule for fantasy football coming up. So stay on the lookout for that. Our first planned podcast is going to be on the 14th, where we're going to talk about QB tiers, the 15th running back tiers, the 16th wide receiver, and 17th tight ends. It's going to be fun. It's almost fantasy season. So we can stop doing Wake Up With The Truth because I suck at these. Okay, goodbye.